1: everybody. Welcome to the PHLY Flyers podcast. I'm Charlie O'Connor. I guess you're director of temporary director of fun and games for the evening. Let's go with that. Temporary. I, I can't quite fill the shoes of one Bill Matz who is on vacation for the next two days. Have fun, Bill. But I will do my best as the host and the people helping me to do my best as the host. Big day today at the PHLY Flyers podcast. Obviously, Kelly Hinkle, we will get to your intro in a second, but this is the first time. Kelly, you were here last week, so you got your okay. you got to have your, your, your moment yeah. in the sun last week. This week, Steph Driver is here at the PHLY studios. I Steph, am. welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It is fall in Philadelphia. Um, I did not wear sleeves, as you can see. <laughs> uh, that is apparently something that we need in Philadelphia this season but I have to say as soon as I step outside just the atmosphere it's fall it's fall it's hockey time I'm so excited you
1: mean it's not fall in Atlanta (laughs) no
2: it's it's still summer they call it hot Atlanta for a
0: reason Charlie it's hot (laughs) it's still summer
1: well Steph we're so happy to have you today um obviously we're getting closer every week to the full four-person reunion show I know which is going to be a regular thing unfortunately now that Steph's here. Then Bill has to step out. Next week, hopefully, will be the first time, all four of us. Unfortunately, Steph will not be here in person. No. This is a special thing that Steph is, is gracing us with her presence. But Steph will be remote for these shows. Um, but today, you all get to see
2: Steph in person. You get to see me, and it's <laughs> awesome. Bill and I are too powerful to be in the same room now. Clearly. So, you yeah. know, we used to do video. Not anymore. We can't do it together. <laughs> but um, just a real quick second on Bill Matz. Bill Matts is... His birthday was Monday. He's not here. He has earned a vacation. Um, We talk a lot about how sweet Charlie is. I just want to drop in and ruin everyone's impression of Bill Matz. He's really sweet, too. He's really sweet, too. Um, And I apologize to both of you, but he texted me to apologize for calling you both his broadcast partners in crime. (gasps) Ooh. So that's how sweet our Bill Matz is.
1: Love that. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Steph, great to have you. And now my other co-host, Kelly Hinkle, the fly by herself.
0: Yeah, back for the second week. And I got to say, it's uh, still nerve-wracking. But what I am (laughs) excited about is that now, finally, perhaps people will accept that there are, in fact, two girls. Two. On the Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast. You can see them now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're so different. One's wearing green. One is wearing orange. Different people. It's crazy. But I hope now that maybe it will be seared into your brain. Also, Two different people. Obsessed with the fact that all of the comments to start this show were about Charlie doing ad reads. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone wants to hear it. I love the way the audience of this show has just latched on to the ad reads being the best part of it. (laughs) Because they absolutely are. Yeah. And Charlie's I am, gonna crush
1: them. I am terrified. Nah, he's gonna but yeah, I know do it's, it's a thing. I gotta do it. It's very it. easy for me to just be like, oh, yeah, Bill could take that because I told him originally, I said to Bill, oh, we can trade off. It's fine. I don't want you to have to do the whole thing. No, then it became a bit. So now <laughs> Bill is the ad read person, but in Bill's absence, someone's gotta do it. So you're gonna hear me try to run through that entire DraftKings disclaimer. Can't wait. You're
2: it's gonna, gonna do it's great. Gonna be awesome.
1: <laughs> I hope so. Well, let us get to the actual hockey team, the Flyers. The Flyers. Before we get actually the ad reads are the show. The the, the hockey talk yeah. is just a lead in the ad. Reads, truly. I mean for the <laughs> for the advertisers, certainly. But the hockey team, the Flyers. We will get to the preseason game yesterday, which was on Long Island. They lost two to one. We'll get to that in a later segment. But given the fact that this is the first show where we have Steph on the show, first time we've got the three of us together since the final Broad Street hockey radio show. I wanted to kind of take a step back and talk about the team more from from a big picture level just because I think you know one of the great things in my mind about BSH Radio and about this new form that we're going to be doing weekly is I mean I obviously cover the team as a journalist Bill considers himself a fanalist you two are obviously just pure fans and I think the great thing about this is that we can hear from people who can just be unabashedly fans of the Flyers and how they're feeling about the team so I kind of wanted to go through here with the Flyers obviously we're in now what they're dubbing as the new era of Orange it's a whole thing new people You know, Jonesy, Briere, everything. They've admitted they need to rebuild. They traded away some vets, Ivan Provorov, Kevin Hayes. They let Tony D'Angelo go. But as fans of the team, I guess I'll I'll start with you, Steph. How are you feeling right now about the Flyers as, like, an organizational entity? Because we know the last few years— it people couldn't have been more down on the team. Yeah. Well, now I get the sense that some people are back, some people are not, some people are in that muddy middle. So I'm curious, kind of where your head's at when you think of the Flyers.
2: Yeah. So I, I don't expect a lot out of them this season. They don't expect a lot out of themselves this season. But I think it's really interesting because we're going to see a dramatically different team this year than we did last year with Couturier and Atkinson coming back and a whole lot of exits there's a lot of addition by subtraction happening to this team right now and they're going to be really young so we don't really know what to expect that's exciting um in terms of danny briere keith jones we'll see they haven't <laughs> they haven't done poorly yet so they've got my confidence for now
1: is that kind of where you're at kelly or are you a little because you you tend to lean more towards the optimism
2: oh yeah i'm totally i'm
0: i'm super psyched like understanding that it's going to be a bit of a road before they're actually, actually good. Um, I feel great about the direction of the organization. I The Keith Jones hire was a little... It was a, so out of left field for me at the beginning that I was like, what are they doing? This is so weird. But having settled into it and having thought about what Jonesy brings to the role, I'm super excited about the idea of him kind of leading the franchise kind of in like a Spiritual way almost like he's the vibes of the franchise, and he is nothing but great vibes. I he's think
2: it, the vibes, I love that. Yeah,
1: I think it is fair, like to, to say that Jonesy is kind of like chief vibes master yes, yes. of the organization. And that's, I don't want to downplay mm-hmm. the fact that like Keith Jones, that I've had like so many conversations about hockey with Keith Jones, like he knows hockey. Oh,
0: he's so smart. Yeah,
1: and I'm sure that they include him in discussions about right. what to do and whatnot, and he's involved in the decision making process to a degree, but it's seems like the idea of hiring Jonesy was kind of to be that bridge. Yeah. And a, a bridge is in a lot of different ways. Like, number one, the bridge between the business side of the Flyers and the mm-hmm. hockey side of the Flyers. Mm-hmm. That was a bridge that kind of was not burned, but almost just like extremely... It was down. extremely dilapidated. Yeah. Let's oh, yeah. No, that like was... Like, communication it was, not, call good. Yeah.
0: was yeah, not good. They the Infrastructure was So
1: I think, number one, they want him to, you know, to be that that intermediary. I also think they want him to be the intermediary between Hockey Ops and the fans because he knows how to speak the fans language yeah, yeah. and he's gonna be a guy who's very much front and center, talking to fans directly. And then I also think that, you know, he's kind of the intermediary between the organization and the alumni. Mm-hmm. Because I think what they they came to the conclusion over the last few years that That It's not that you need the alumni on board, but it does make your life a lot easier. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, it makes your life a lot easier. So
0: here's the thing. like Everyone knows that I have been kind of the negative Nelly as far as the alumni go, in the sense that I I have thought that they have too big of a voice in the room in the past. I thought that a little too much emphasis was put on consistently like honoring them and venerating them and like putting them in the spotlight. It's like, all right, I get it. But the thing about it is at the end of the day, the Flyers are kind of, they're more than just the current team. Like they really are a whole ass thing. And the alumni are a part of that. And the fact that so many of these guys are still around and want to hang out with the team and want to be a part of the organization is kind of the thing that makes the Flyers special. So. It is, you know, it's pretty good that they're trying to keep them happy. Like, you know, they're a bunch of nice old guys. It's it's cool that they're hanging around. Just, you know, <laughs> don't let them make any trades. That's
2: all. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's also important that they loop in some of the younger alumni because yeah, yeah, yeah. the mm-hmm. the voices that we hear in the room are the alumni that have been around since the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Like let's bring Claude Giroux back into the fold.
0: <laughs> well, he's got to
1: finish playing hockey first. No, he's,
2: <laughs>
0: but <laughs> just bring him back. But like, they are doing that. Like We've got Danny Breyer as the GM. Yeah. We've got Hartnell on television. We've got Fridge on the radio LeClaire. now. LeClaire.
1: L- 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 I mean, LeClaire? we're not really counting Patrick Sharp, but John LeClaire's back. Yeah, LeClaire's Lindros, back. Lindros, and that, that kind of preceded this, but Lindros is around again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was kind of hoping they would give him the president job, but here I, we are. As, as,
1: much as, as much as Lindros, I mean, look, Eric Lindros, obviously a much better player than Keith Jones, but Keith Jones... He's not vibes. He's, he's not a vibes he's guy. Not, no, he's not vibes. Jonesy no. is a vibes guy. 100%. He's gonna... Like, Jonesy's just the kind of guy where he walks into a room and everybody wants to be his friend. Yes. And he wants to be everybody's friend yes. because he's Jonesy.
0: Right. Exactly. And that is, I think, important when we're talking about an organization whose reputation has been in the tank for, like, nearly a decade. Like, we've got a lot of relationships to build back up between the team and the, te- the team... The team. The team and the city. <laughs> the team and the fans. The team in the league, like, there's no way that half of the general managers in the league didn't really disrespect Chuck Fletcher in the sense that I'm sure they think he's a nice guy, I'm sure that they're friendly with him, but the job that he did, they had to know we could probably call this guy and get him to give us some shit because he's a big dummy. Like, There's no way there was a lot of respect for the way this team was being run over the last four or five years. So there's a lot to be repaired, and if I need relationships repaired, I can't think of anyone better than Keith Jones. Yeah.
1: So, I think we're all generally speaking. And this wasn't necessarily the case, you know, three four months ago. I think we're all generally speaking on board with Keith Jones as yes. president of hockey operations. That so far he's doing a good job. He's he's. For now. It seems like for now.
0: No one's Mo- given us a reason
1: yet. True. Exactly. Back. Moving to Danny Briere, and you touched on him a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. Steph. He's obviously a first-year GM. He GM'd a little bit last year as interim, but more or less was just kind of there to mind the shop before they made the decision as to whether he was going to be the full-time, which he is. He did make moves this summer, obviously yeah. the big one being the three-team trade, sending Ivan Prover off to Columbus, uh, bought out Tony D'Angelo, traded Kevin Hayes. So bye he bye. did make, and then obviously the big one that he made in tandem with everyone in That organization was taking the plunge on Mafia Mitchkoff. But I guess my question, Kelly, I'll start with you on this one since I started with Steph the last time. Um, What's your confidence level of Danny Breer on Danny Breer right now?
0: So right now it's pretty high. And and the reason for that is, as we just said, like no one's given us a reason yet to doubt them. Um, The Provorov trade that you just mentioned. That was a level of creativity that we haven't seen from a general manager in quite some time for yeah. this team. We've seen that he has a willingness to take on bad contracts to get assets, which is precisely what you need to do when you're rebuilding. So we know he understands what's happening here. Like he's living in the reality of this is a rebuilding hockey team. Um, he seems to he seems to value talent. I think a little more like we do than. The way chuck fletcher seemed to or maybe chuck fletcher
1: did he just didn't have an eye for it yeah maybe maybe (laughs) the guys he got thought were talented (laughs) and
0: and then the the mitchkoff pick when it happened it there's been so many times over the past five or six years when there's been a decision to be made in front of the flyers and we all know what they should do and they don't do it Mm. Because it's risky, or he's short, or, you know, whatever it is. There was always, it seemed like there was always something that we thought that they should do, and they didn't do it.
1: Are are you referring to Cole Caulfield, maybe?
0: Maybe. (laughs) We're all sitting in a bar, watching a television screen. 200 people in a room want them to take Vay Michkoff, because we know, even though it's a risk for a number of reasons, it's the thing that they should do, and they did it which just felt really fucking great. And I think that that moment especially was a moment where a lot of fans were like, okay, okay. like They might actually be doing this and I might be able to emotionally (laughs) invest myself in this team again (laughs) in a way that a lot of people haven't been for a long time. People have been checked out and I, I do think they're turning it around. And Briere, I think over the summer has given people a reason to at the very least be hopeful that the team might be good in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, what, what I think I can say about Breer, and I, I honestly, in the lead-up to the draft, you hear so many things that... I don't even remember if this was. I don't remember number one. I don't remember who told me this, but number two, I don't remember like if at the time it was off the record. But like, I don't feel bad saying it now. Like when I started hearing in the couple weeks leading up to the draft that there was real smoke around this Mitch Flyers thing. That mm. like this isn't fake. They really might take him. The one thing I heard was that. Danny has loved this guy all year oh, that Andy. like Dan this is Danny's guy that he's watched him so much that like he thinks he's going to be this star and like to me that's one of those benefits of having a guy like Danny Breer who was a skilled talented player yes. as your GM where he's going to gravitate like look All these former players are going to have their biases. I've been critical in the past of Ian LaPerriere. I think he he did a better job last year as coach of the Phantoms, still has a lot to learn in that regard. But, like, Ian LaPerriere, because of who he was as a player, he's going to gravitate towards those fourth-line guys, the the guys who work real hard, the Hayden Hodsons, the guys who, who have to earn everything they get, not the super talented guys. Well, Danny Breer was one of the super talented guys. Now, granted, it took him a little bit to get there. He kind of busted out in Phoenix, so it's not like he was handed like a starting job at age 19 and was immediately a star, but he was a hundred point guy. He was a skilled guy. And I-, I like the fact that Briere brings that bias towards skill because he was a skilled guy when he played.
0: And small. So we know that he's not going to be a size queen like everyone
2: else, <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, didn't someone recently say that Hayden Hodgson wasn't an NHL player. Didn't somebody say that? Mark, I- Stone. I- Mark Stone.
1: Mark did. Stone did. Yeah. Yes. So apparently that happened hit, last yeah, night. He hit
0: Mark Stone um, in last night's game. And in the postgame, Mark Stone was like, "Yeah, I'm never going to play against that guy again. Amazing. So whatever. <laughs>
2: Absolutely amazing.
0: I
1: mean, it, it is a it's it's a real bad bet to." Go and try to kill Mark Sony in the preseason game. All yeah. time. But, like but you know what's a better
0: bet? What's a good bet, Charlie? Bet- betting
1: with DraftKings. I agree. You know, because football—it's back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? One of them, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet five dollars on football and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 4 action with DraftKings Sportsbooks. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 888 H O P E N Y or text H O P E N Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 798 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see sportsbook.draftkings..com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply
0: yo bill mats you did it Bill <laughs> Matts
2: survived <too>. crushed it <laughs> survived crushed it absolutely amazing
1: <laughs> so Done that first ad read. Makes me feel a lot better. Don't have to stress about that anymore. And that's, that's the it. toughest one. The other ones, they're they're there, but that's the
2: big <laughs> one. That's, that's, that's
1: the big that's one. That is the big one. The, the the big one. Can
0: can we, so It gets shorter.
1: We kicked off the show looking at kind of the bigger picture. Now we're going to zoom in on what happened last night, which is the Flyers play their second preseason game up in Long Island. I was not there, but I did watch the entire stream. Steph can confirm. I
2: can confirm. I was in Charlie's house last <laughs> night and he did not eat dinner with us because he had to watch the game. Even the silence? You stayed for the whole silent
0: bit at the beginning?
1: The the silent bit?
0: At the beginning of the feed that I was watching, oh. it was there was no sound for like eight minutes
1: so here is what i did and this is you know shout out to the great crew at 97.5 the fanatic who hey. do i immediately switched over to hear tim saunders and tafador call oh, the game okay. so then even when the sound came back i was like i'd rather listen to our guys than these islanders people who cares
0: that's why he's paid the big
1: bucks sometimes. so are
2: they broadcasting from the suv that's on the ice <laughs> <laughs> wrong center
1: oh my god anyway so the flyers played last night on Long Island. It's not in Long Island. It's no, Long Island. in Long Island. They, they lose their it, minds I know, if, that's, you say, that's why if you say in, say in Long Island. Because it makes
0: them so mad. Yes, it's hilarious. Exactly.
1: <laughs> um, the Flyers did lose. They lost 2-1, to one, but... And this is important, they did not get blown
2: the they hell out. They scored a goal.
1: They scored a goal. They they sure,
2: One goal. They I mean, scored.
1: Granted, it was in like the last minute of play. It doesn't matter. But it's still a goal. Still, still, counts. still counts. It counts. It was it was Ryan Paling. Free agent signing. Just as we future all fourth line center, Ryan Paling, <laughs> assisted by, I believe, Scott Lawton and Noah Kate. So he got some help from the, the clear cut NHLers. But the Flyers, despite losing, they played pretty well. They outshot the Islanders 30 to 19. And this was an Islander team, Islanders team that had Matt Barzell. Like, they had more high end talent than the Flyers. I think there was probably an element here of, man, we kind of got embarrassed even for preseason (laughs) on Monday. We don't necessarily have to win, but we can't do that again. (laughs) So, I, I guess, kind of using that as a lead in, we all know on some level the preseason doesn't matter. You know, these games aren't real. It's all just about, you know, building up for the regular season, but. How much did it matter for the Flyers not to get torched last night just because of how bad Monday was from a vibe standpoint?
2: See, you and I have very different opinions about preseason. Okay. I love preseason. Okay. I, I, hate it. Lord, <laughs> I love watching these guys, the quad A guys who are never going to make the team except if they have a really strong preseason game. I'd love to see that. Um, and, and I love to watch the the defense kind of grow up. And you get, you get to see that when you're watching them raw at training camp yeah. and during preseason games. Like, this is before they've really been coached. It's just raw clay. This is what we're trying to make them into. I love watching the young guys. I don't need to see the veterans in preseason. I don't need to see... Ryan Palings, but it's nice that he scored a goal. Yeah, got his first goal in orange and black. Love to see that. There we go. Better than on the other side of the state, I guess. This Um, this is true. But I I love preseason. I think it was important for them to at least score a goal. Yeah, right. Like that. (laughs) We can't have them going into this season with the lack of confidence that they went into last season with. So if they're going to be a little bit more excited because they scored a goal and didn't have six scored against them, okay.
1: Yeah, I I think there's an element where, like... Presumably they would have scored a goal eventually. They do play six Presumably. preseason games, but I the, the longer—true. But like the longer it went, the more it became a thing. And to so, me, I think like the preseason, like it's not that important. But you just want to invo- avoid those narratives. You want to avoid those embarrassing things. Yeah. And I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Kelly. But it just—it was a personal relief to me that I no longer had to deal with people yelling about that. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: You mentioned vibes, and if I say vibes one more time. On- this podcast I might leave Um, (laughs) but the thing is that like is a vibe going back to this whole idea that fans are slowly starting to get back on board even though I personally don't care if they lose every single preseason game it doesn't matter winning them is not what the preseason is about it's about dues on tryouts it's about the old guys shaking off the rust it's it's just practice essentially against another team doesn't matter if they win however Given that the vibes are so important, if the Flyers had gone out and gotten blown out again, people would have started to be like, all right, here we go. They still stink. (laughs) I mean, they like, because no one's going to think past, like, oh, wait, their fourth line was playing like second line minutes. Um, We're still trying out goaltenders. Like, there's a lot of reasons why they don't look as good as they might when it's the actual flyers, but the perception of casual hockey fans of the sports media in the town, if they continue to shit the bed in the preseason, it's just going to make people leading up to the season, I think a little less excited about the team. And so it's good that they were able to play a little bit better against a team that was, well, the devils are really good. I keep forgetting. It's so annoying. Yeah, anyway, they are, Unfortunately, um, it, it's good for them to get the scoring monkey off their back because I do think that the longer that had gone on, the the bigger a problem it would have been because the other team's in preseason too. So, like, you should be able to score a True. goal or two right. against That them. shouldn't
2: be the excuse yeah. here. Yeah, really get, get one
0: or two in there. So it's good that they scored one. I am going to assume that they come out looking even better in this third game. I think that it's going to be, like, an incremental build, especially as torts and the rest of the staff start to kind of figure out what the lineup is going to look at and start to kind of put guys together that they think might be together on opening night and get a better look at players that they think have been doing well um, so yeah it, if they lose them all it doesn't really matter but as long as they lose them in a way that doesn't embarrass them yes. it's all
1: fine I, yeah. I i completely agree with that and i do think that We might actually be starting to see the at least a general idea of where their heads are at from a roster standpoint really it started today because they broke up camp into two different sections Mm. the first section went on i believe at 11 the second section went on at 12 and the first section had 14 forwards and seven defensemen and two goalies now that is very close to 23 man roster. Sounds in fact, like it. it is. Of course, the, the only person who was absent was Cam York. We'll get to him later. He's still day to day. So, because of that, Victor Mete was in the top seven. Apparently, he was who the. Re- I
0: forgot existed.
1: Yeah, they, they did bring him in. But <laughs> he is a guy. It, it does seem like <laughs> we might have a general idea of what the early hierarchy is. And it's pretty much everyone you would expect was out there with the main group Tyson Forrester was out there the one surprise and we'll get into him now because why not the one surprise player was Samu Tuamala who was yeah. the uh, the second round pick back in 2021 he skated with the main group he's played in both preseason games um, and what's interesting about him is that over the last few years it seemed like he was trending into bus territory yes like people were kind of giving up on him he Right after he got drafted, he tried to stay in, in North America. That didn't really work out. Then he went back over to Finland, didn't really find his spot. Last year, he was apparently going to play under Ole Jokinen, the former NHL player. Apparently, they spent their entire early season playing a super trap game. He didn't really fit in. He ended up going back to, I believe, the second tier league in Sweden or in, in Finland. So he's had a weird two years. And this year he's coming over, playing in the, in North America full-time, presumably with the Phantoms, but it seems like he's impressed them. And to me, like that's cool. And this speaks to what you were saying, Steph, about yeah. the fun part about preseason is, is seeing these kids try to exceed expectations, try to make an impression. And it does seem like Tuamala has done that, which, I mean, good sign. Maybe not the best sign for guys like... Tanner Leszczynski, who was in the AHL group, you know, guys like Bobby Brink, who was also in the AHL group, Oli Luxell, but even if those guys maybe aren't impressing, it's kind of cool to see a guy like Tuamal, who is almost kind of rising from the ashes of being a potential bust.
2: Yeah, that's really nice to see, and it's my favorite part about preseason. Definitely. It's it's my favorite part. Yeah, we were talking about
0: it before the show, Charlie and I, Torts had, like, probably the most effusive praise I've heard him give to anyone so far this preseason, about Samu at his post-practice, yes. whatever. Yeah. Like he, he was like going on about how good he looked, some breakout that he did, saying he wanted to see him in the top six just to see what he looked like there. That seems like a big deal because I feel like, like you said, this wasn't a guy that was on anyone's radar, I think, heading into this camp, certainly not mine. And it'll be interesting to see if he ends up jumping a guy like Forster. Yeah, I I,
1: I don't think he's going to jump Forrester because Forrester was in that group too. Okay. So Forrester, it it looks like, I think he probably needs a game or two in in these preseason games to like really show, to lock down his spot. He hasn't quite had it yet, but I'm still hopeful he gets there. I just think with Tuamala, this was more of just like a reward. Like, Mm -hmm. hey kid, you're doing great. So we're going to put you with the main group, you know, pat on the back, keep it going. And if you keep it going, who knows? Like he has played in pro leagues before, but with Tuamala... I think what's what's really changed with him and I think what they've really liked about him so far is that when he got drafted, he had the profile of like a top sixer. He's really fast. He's got this great shot. And he was kind of a, an early second round swing on a guy who, you know, maybe could be a, a top six four, could be on your second line. I think what he's kind of realizing is that if he's going to make it in the NHL, he's just not skilled enough to be a 65-point scorer type. Yeah. Like, if he was that guy, it would have shown. He would have carved out a role on a pro team in Finland, and we would have been like, man, he's racking up the points in Finland. Maybe he could be an impact scorer at the NHL level. I think that ship is kind of sailed, but we're talking about maybe the best skater in the organization right now. Like, yeah. he is quick. He's real, real fast. And we talked about it me and Bill talked about it yesterday if he could kind of pivot his mentality where he maybe develops into something like a like a Kasperi Capitan, okay. where he's real fast he gets some points because he just crashes the net plays aggressive not the most skilled didn't develop maybe the way his team's wanted him to but clear NHL player useful in the bottom six like that would be a good guy like you know even thinking back to and I would hope that Tuamala has a little bit more offensive upside than this guy but like Daryl Powell was the real quick annoying guy on Some real good Flyers teams.
0: Fucking love Daryl Powell.
1: There's always a place for a real quick, annoying guy.
0: Yeah. I immediately looked at you. I used to love Daryl Powell. Immediately. Yeah. And also, it's okay for players to be really good bottom six players. You know what I mean? Like, you need a really good bottom six if you're going to be a good hockey team. And I think a lot of times people hear that about a prospect. Like, oh, he's just going to be a bottom sixer. But if he's going to be a really good bottom sixer, like, that's a good find.
1: And and how long have we been yelling for the last decade about how we want there to be a few players on the flyers that can skate really fast yes. because they just seem so slow all the time, so all
2: slow. the time. And, and, and
1: if Tuamala can bring, and I'm not saying right out of camp, I'm not expecting to make this team out of camp, but if, you know, in January or next season, if he can break camp with the team and become a, a regular, it would be real nice to have that one guy on the team who could just blast by a defenseman. Maybe he can't score, you know, maybe he gets the breakaway and gets stopped, but at least for that, Second and a half, we think he might. Yeah, that'd
2: be <laughs> fun. We're that would be fun <laughs> for a couple minutes.
1: Exactly, and you know what else is fun?
2: What's that, Charlie?
1: When you get really, really good sports memorabilia and oh, sportswear, that. and that's where Foco comes into play. They have the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fan- fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, whether you're looking for team apparel and accessories, or toys, collectibles, and novelty items, FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description, and for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Check out those people at Foco. I'm sure they're great.
2: They have a really, really wonderful hoodie blanket situation.
1: That's extremely your
2: shit. you know they're better than the other one. The other one. It is (laughs) extremely (laughs) my shit. It It is the most comfortable blanket hoodie situation. And it's got a big flyers across it. Nice. Yeah, Yeah, it's very
0: nice. So, Charlie, can I ask you about a player? Not necessarily a prospect, but something that I'm interested in. You sure can. So, Wade Allison... Yes. Much like Bill Mats, I am a big Wade Allison fan. I want him to work because he seems like he could be super fun. Um, I noticed last night he only got about 11 minutes of ice time. It's true. Not great. Not the best. In your mind, do you think the ship has sailed on Allison, or does he still have a shot to make the team?
1: So I think he makes the team. That said, like... Torts, when we talked to him today after practice, he made a point to say that some of the guys who you're penciling into this roster, you maybe shouldn't because we're not. And I wouldn't be surprised if Allison is one of those dudes. That said, he played 60 games, spent the entire year in the NHL last year. So it would be a surprise if they waived him because like, if they waived Tanner Leszczynski and I'm going to get to him in a few minutes, like I don't think anybody picks him up. I don't think he's done enough. Whereas Wade Allison is a big... Power forward type winger who has played in the NHL for a season. If they waive him, I think he's gone. Oh yeah, so 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 to me, I think they will give him every chance to at least make the team as the thirteenth forward. That said, if he makes the team as the thirteenth forward, that's not great. Not good. And. Given the fact that it seems like they want to give Tyson Forrester every chance to make this team, I'm not quite sure where he fits, particularly because I think they really like the idea of this Nick DeLaurier, Ryan Palin, Garnet Hathaway fourth line. So <laughs> if that's the fourth line that's looking like the opening night first oh, line, gosh. if Tyson Forrester makes the team and Cam Atkinson plays in game one, then there's really no spot for Wade Allison. And you worry that... He might just get pushed out because I'm with you. I think there's something there. Yeah. I just, I do worry that the Flyers might not be the team to unearth it.
0: That stinks. He
1: didn't look good last night. No. Like like I I mentioned about Tanner Lozinski. Tanner Lozinski outplayed Wade Allison, and that should not be the case. Like Wade Allison is the higher upside player. Wade Allison is the guy who played 60 games in the NHL last year, whereas Lozinski spent the year mostly hurt or scratched. Like Allison should be the more effective player in a camp where both those guys know they're competing for jobs. And Lozinski was the guy who almost scored, who set up a couple golden scoring chances. Allison was the guy who was kind of just there. And you mentioned about his ice time. Like, to me, he got 11 minutes because he didn't earn more.
0: Yeah, I wonder what's happening there. I don't like it.
1: I don't love it either because I, I like the skill set so much. And, and his
2: face... Like, that's a flyer.
1: It is a flyer.
2: He has... He, I mean, his personality, too. Sure. His yeah. whole attitude. one hundred whole 100%. Yeah. is very flyer. Excuse me, the whole vibe. The, oh, I'm not saying not it Not saying vibe. Kelly's again. going <laughs> to walk out the door. We, we, we,
1: we talked about it yesterday, Bill and I on the show, about the fact that, like, watching the Phillies celebrate. And just how much fun it is, just the fact that they're just a bunch of wild men going around doing crazy things in the in the clubhouse. And like to me, Wade Allison, like Wade Allison would fit right in with those Phillies. Yeah. And like I I want that vibe on this team. I want We need a daycare. We need we need just like that crazy guy who's just like a lunatic in there, but in like the best ways. And Wade gives off that vibe, but he's gotta earn it on the ice. Like you can't just keep a guy around for vibes. You got you gotta be doing something. And Wade has work to do.
0: Oh, yeah, and we it's just so frustrating because I think we know it's in there. Yeah. So, like, is it the injuries? Like, is he tentative because he's been hurt so many times? Like, I just wonder what's going on with him that he just can't seem to put it together. And he's got to know that, like... I'm running out of chances yep. here. That's my gut. My gut is the injury history. Yeah, it's just it, it just bums me out because I was super excited about him when he came up.
1: It does seem like whenever... And this, I think, played into uh, Tortorella's frustration with him last year when he did the he's always hurt gong show of a press conference that mm. one time last season was just... It felt like every time Wade Allison was building momentum last season, he got hurt. And then he would be out for a week or so, or out for longer, and then he would come back and have to start over, and then he would build, 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 and then get hurt again. And part of that is just his style of play. He plays a reckless style. I don't think he can stop playing that style if he wants to be effective at the NHL level. He just, as Tortorella said, he just can't get hurt. And not saying that's his fault, I don't think it is, but he needs to be out there, especially when he's a 13th forward type where he's battling for a job.
0: Can't make the club in the tub. Charlie
1: can't make the club in the tub. (laughs) So going to, going to transition here to another roster battle. Um, You mentioned about, you know, wanting to see the kids wanting to see the guys who are fighting for jobs. That's the most important part about preseason is guys who are battling for spots. One of the most, I guess, obvious roster battles going into camp is the backup goalie spot it really was a battle all of last year, too. Like, Felix Sandstrom won the job, but Sam Merson was up a lot, and it was very clear that John Turrell liked Sam Merson more than Felix Sandstrom. Well, both those guys are back. Felix Sandstrom has one more year left on his deal, I believe. Sam Erson signed a new deal in the offseason that gives him another two years past this one. And then they picked up one Cal Peterson as a salary dump in the Ivan Provorov trade. So you've got one one goalie with extensive NHL experience coming off two very bad years in Cal Peterson. You've got Felix Sandstrom, who was the backup last year, wasn't very good in that role. And then you've got Sam Erson, who spent most of the year in the AHL, impressed mostly in the NHL. This is your backup goalie battle. And over the first two games, I thought it was very telling that six periods of hockey, each of those goalies got two periods and just going to run through the stats real quick through two games. Cal Peterson, 19 saves on 24 shots, a 792 save percentage. Felix Sandstrom, 14 saves on 16 shots, an 875 save percentage. Sam Merson, 12 saves on 13 shots, a 923 save percentage. Now, as someone who was at the first game and then watched the the second game on stream, I'm not gonna kill Felix Sandstrom for the two goals he allowed. One was a breakaway, one was a fluky bounce. But there's one clear anomaly in this group, and that's <laughs> Cal Peterson, who has a save percentage under 800. Like he's got to be below the other two in the running for this battle, right?
2: One would think. I, I can't imagine. But he also, if, if we're looking at these numbers, he also had a lot more shots come, come to him. So, yeah, it, it looks real bad. It looks real bad. And I want Urson as the backup goalie. So, hopefully, he's on his way out. Like, there's only so many spots. Peterson looked bad, too. Like, yeah. it,
0: it wasn't just that he let in a bunch of goals. He just didn't look like a good goaltender. And... Given his history, I mean, like it's not like we brought in Cal Peterson because we wanted Cal Peterson. It was just like a dude that we had to get to make the trade happen. So I don't really think it matters what happens with him. I do kind of – I would be very surprised if he's still under consideration for the backup job. After that performance and knowing what his history is, like – and you have these other two guys. Why even bother like putting him in the conversation at this point if you're the front office? Like it, it just seems like a, a no brainer. Like he okay, we saw we saw what we got. No thank you. And so now it's between these other two guys. Um, and I have kind of an a complicated feeling about this because I do think that Urson is the better goaltender. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that he belongs in the NHL more than Sandstrom does at this point, just based off of, like, performance and, I think, just their ceilings. Right. Um, But I think that it would be better for Urson to be the starter in Lehigh Valley because he's going to get a ton of games. And if he's up here backing up Carter Hart, unless Hart gets hurt, which he very well might because he always does, it seems like, at least once, he's not going to get a ton of games. And I don't know... If it's good to just have him sitting on the bench for, I don't know, thirty. No, I feel like Hart would probably get at least like fifty. Yeah, 60 Hart would games. get over
1: fifty. Right. I would assume that's that's generally been the, yeah. the standard since he's become the unquestioned number one. So right. yeah, it's it, it's a concern. I guess the only the flip side of that though is like. Hart's here. Now we will see how long he stays. Obviously, oh, he's wow. he's in the last year of his contract. They'll have he's a an RFA, and then there's the Hockey Canada thing as well. Yeah. So we'll see. But like, as long as he's here, he's gonna be the number one. Yes. So at some point, like, how long does Sam Arison have to wait? Like at some point. Does it make does it help his development more to just get NHL time, even if it's more sporadic, because he's playing against better competition? So
0: here's the other thing. Sorry, Steph, I'm on. No, I'm you wrong. go. Um, We're good. I wonder, and I don't know if this is something that the Flyers would consider, and I don't know if it's something that Carter Hart would accept, but I wonder if, given Hart's injury history over the last couple of seasons, and the fact that Urson seems like a really good goaltender, and you need to see what he can do over a lot of games to know really what we have with him. A 1A-1B situation with these two guys would probably be the best thing for everybody? Not for hard in a contract year. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about him. No, he does? I know, that's what I (laughs) I I said. I don't know if he would accept it. Yeah. But I mean, like, to be quite honest, like, the Flyers coaching staff and front office shouldn't really... Plan out strategy based on Carter Hart needs more money next year. Like, if it's best for the team to have these two guys kind of split time evenly, and Hart would get more, I think. Like, he would obviously be yeah. the 1A. But, you know, here's the thing Carter Hart could be gone at any moment for reasons. And we're going to need to know what we've got in Sam Erson, because I don't think Felix Sandstrom is a starting goaltender in the NHL. I think that he could probably be a capable backup.
1: I, I, I'm i not even sure he's a capable backup. No. You're was, giving him more credit than I, I do. I used to
0: be very high on him, so I think I have some residual. Oh, yeah, residual. Yeah, yeah. The Lundqvist she thing. She called him the second Lundqvist. <laughs> the second
2: See, only because he was Swedish. I switch now. And yeah. Erson. He's also extremely yeah. ugly, like Henrik Lundqvist. It's pretty ugly.
1: He, that, that is False.
2: I, they're both extremely attractive. <laughs> like,
1: come on. I'm just saying, like, they're Swedish goalies.
2: They're both extremely attractive. <laughs> that said, the
0: Flyers really shouldn't win a lot of games this year, so I've talked myself out of the 1A1B. Okay. I mean, in fairness, <laughs> if, the, if the goal here is to tank
1: which they've said it's not but if we're actually huh. doing a self-tank really the guy who should win this job is Peterson not because he's enough. probably the worst of the oh,
2: good. We so we've up. come all the way around I'm so thrilled with this conversation amazing <laughs> we did great uh, so I, I would love to see Sandstrom Urson battle because they're both homegrown goalies yeah that's and I fair. think that that would just be so much more fun like, it is fun Peterson get out of here like I respect it solid NHL career you're not our guy.
1: I think the thing with Peterson too, and, and Kelly mentioned this was a really good point. Is just that like, they didn't like, they didn't want him. I think even like even someone like Sean Walker who like yes he was a cap dump I get the sense that they saw a role for him where it was like oh you know yeah you need to clear some space but we kind of want that guy he's a right-handed shot he's pretty good like yeah he struggled because of the injuries in the past but maybe we can turn him back into something and then maybe flip him for assets whereas Cal Peterson was very much like we just need to take on the salary to make sure we get a first round pick for Ivan Provorov so there really is no loyalty there to him beyond you're on the team, plus, and this is a real thing that separates him from Sandstrom. So, going into the, the waiver exemption, Sam Erson can be sent down That's without important. having to worry about losing it.
2: That's really important.
1: Felix Sandstrom would have to clear waivers. Now, I don't think it's likely he would be claimed, given his age, given the fact that he hasn't been that good in the NHL. But it's possible. It's at least not out of the realm of possibility that someone, if, if a team Tampa. if a team gets <laughs> super injured with goalies, obviously the Vasilevsky <laughs> thing, I would assume they could find someone slightly better. So, yeah. But you never know. Team gets injured with Maybe gets a lot cheaper. of a lot of goalie injuries at the end of the at the end of camp. They nab him. Ron Hexall is no longer there to take his former drafted <laughs> prospects, so you don't have to worry about him anymore. No. But I would say maybe, like, 10%, 20% chance he gets claimed. There is a 0% chance that Cal Peterson gets claimed, given the fact that, like, L.A. had to pay the Flyers to take him and his $5 million salary on. So with Peterson, you can just make him one of your AHL goalies and just have him there just in case all of the NHL goalies get hurt and you have to call him up because you know Mm -hmm. his salary is the protection that keeps anybody from even thinking about claiming and Whereas Sandstrom, I don't think he would get claimed, but it's at least a possibility.
2: I also think there's a big difference between a goalie playing 30 games a season and a skater playing 30 games a season. True. I think, I think that goalies just by nature of the position, you're playing a full 60 minutes most of the time yeah. when you're in the game. Skaters don't do that. So I, I think that there would be valuable learning experience for Erson at the NHL level, um, because it's just, it's different. It's different than it is for skaters. But of course, like we would want to get him as many games as possible. Yeah. Cause that's, could be, they got to could be reps. goalie of the future.
1: I, I think to me, and I, I hope the Flyers go this route because I think this is probably the best way to do it with this situation is kind of set it up where Urson, if he's the best goalie in camp, which I think he will, because I think he's just the most yeah. talented goalie in camp aside from Carter Hart, give him the job. But... Kind of shuttle him back and forth a little bit, you know, like if there's going to be a week where he's only going to get one game or maybe zero games in the NHL, send him down to the minors, let him play a game or two that weekend for for the Phantoms. So like almost have him splitting time where like I'd love for him to get 50 games if that's 30 games in the NHL, 20 games in the AHL. That to me would be probably the ideal.
2: That's true. Who kept getting shuttled back and forth between Lehigh Valley and Philadelphia?
1: Oh God, who was it? I
2: can't remember. Oh, it was two was or three it? years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Well, at this Faraby
1: point. kept getting jumped for for no, in his was first a year grand, for the it, it was
2: a fourth line player. And okay, I can't, oh, God, Justin? It? Justin.
1: Justin Bailey. There it yes. is. Justin there it is. Bailey. Got there we there. go. That
2: was teamwork. Yep. Justin there. Bailey. So Samuel Ursan is going to be the new Justin Bailey. Just get him, get him a permanent bus ticket. Like he's <laughs> just going to be back and forth.
1: And 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 Steph. It's funny you mentioned tickets. Oh. Because if you are looking to snag a last minute ticket, Game time is the place. Buying tickets to your favorite events? It shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts. They don't have hockey in this, but I'm going to say hockey because this is a hockey podcast. <laughs> the game time guarantee also means you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section in a row that you had already bought tickets for somewhere else, game time will guarantee to credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress of game with game time, download the game time app, create an account, and don't forget to use code PHLY for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed.
0: Charlie, oh, ad reads. Charlie, fucking crushed nailed it. it. I, I, I did okay. You
2: did great. Bill I, is I, I, I don't hate
1: what I did. Let me put it that way. That's important. That is important.
2: (laughs) That's really important. It's very important.
0: You did really well.
2: Now, I have... There's been something that I've been sitting on all show that I've been wanting to bring up. Oh, dear. And it was from broadstreethockey.com. I've heard of that. An article from broadstreethockey.com. A little little
1: cross-promotion here. Just a little bit.
2: (laughs) Um, I Actually, it's a quote from John Tortorella. And it was talking about the upcoming season. And it was just a very casual little comment he made about how... They were rebuilding last year, but they weren't allowed to say. Yes. It. yes. yes. They weren't allowed to say. We didn't say get a chance it. to
1: talk about this as a group because it was a very, we, me and Bill discussed this last week, but it was a very telling comment because Torts, torts just can't help himself, Kenny. Can he?
2: Cannot. And he straight up told us in that one sentence (laughs) what the entire atmosphere, what the entire atmosphere was around the Flyers last season. They were not allowed to say that they were rebuilding, but they were rebuilding.
1: And one point I want to make about that, because I don't think we talked about it when we when we discussed this last week. And I get why people jump to this assumption, because, quite frankly, Chuck Fletcher is essentially the devil at this point in the minds of most Flyers fans. Well, my understanding of the situation is that that very much was a thing, that no one is allowed to say the word rebuild. That was not, not Chuck. Goofball. That <laughs> was above Chuck.
2: That sounds that, that
1: That Chuck... I don't know if Chuck would have been willing to say it, but... I don't think he was allowed either. I think that this was a Comcast thing of like, if you, if we are saying the word rebuild, that means something in terms of how we present things to season ticket holders. And that means something in terms of just the overall presentation of yeah. the team to the fans. So even if you think we're rebuilding, you're not allowed to say it until we approve you saying it.
0: So do we think that Jonesy kind of sat down with the suits and was like, listen guys. Well, it's for the best. We I just start saying it.
1: I think the decision. I think the pivot happened. It started to happen in February when they made the decision to give John Tortorella the letter to the fans, and ah, that yes. was when they hadn't quite said the word rebuild yet. But that letter was very clearly and explicitly we talked detailing that a, lot. a yeah. rebuild. A lot. It, it was it was saying we're rebuilding without actually saying the word rebuild. Then leading up to the deadline. It was kind of the same thing from Fletcher. Fletcher was describing a rebuild without saying the word rebuild. Then we all know what happens. Chuck Fletcher proved unable to trade James Van Like Within like a week, he was fired. And in the very first press conference of interim, then interim GM Danny Briere, Danny Briere did say the word rebuild. So to me, I think that started to change pre-Jonesy. I think it was February, March. And then when Dan Hilferty jumped in, mm. that was when it was cemented because then Hilferty, who obviously is much more hands-on and in the shit than Dave Scott ever yeah, was. Yeah. Once Hilferty, and I did the interview with him, I believe it was the end of March, early April. And Hilferty affirmed that, yes, we are on board with rebuild i think that was already a thing before jonesy got the job but i think jonesy is very much on board with it and he is happy to to sell it to the fans he knows because i mean one thing that's this is another thing kind of bringing a full circle back to keith jones right now fans are very much at least the, the diehard ones the ones that really ride or die with this team that aren't the casual four for four types where they say they're four for four but flyers are fourth yeah the diehards, I get the sense, are on board with the idea of a rebuild, in large part because the last couple of years were just so miserable. Everyone knew, especially after they traded Giroux, it was over. You yeah. need to start over. We need to stop throwing you know, good money at, at bad money, things like that. I'm very curious to see if fans are going to be as into the idea of a rebuild after a year or two more of bad hockey. And I think that's where Jonesy is going to play a big role because then, like right now, he's selling something the fans want to hear. I'm very curious to see how well he'll do when he's selling something maybe the fans don't want to hear.
2: So... Let me, let me just give my perspective here because I am a fan. I run, I run fan sites. (laughs) Like I think that that's important because we have skin in the game. I think think fan perspective is important. Yeah. Um, I don't want to watch this team this year. Mm. I don't want to watch them because I know it's going to be sloppy. Am I going to watch them? Yes. Am I going to talk about them every day of my life? (laughs) I am. But I don't want to watch them. It's going to be sloppy. It's not going to be good hockey. And they're just not going to look great.
1: Yeah, there, there, there isn't that feeling of like, man, we might make the playoffs. No. These games matter.
2: They don't. None of them are really going to matter. But it's okay. Like, I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about where the team is. I just don't want to waste my time <laughs> watching them get better. And and, and, and I, think, I know that they will get better. Yeah,
1: yeah, or we hope. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think we've, we've talked about this, and, like, I hate to say it on this show because I want people to follow the Flyers because they're more likely to watch us yes. and listen to us, but we talked about it on BSH Radio where, like, you're not inherently a bad fan if you say to yourself, you know what, like, I don't want to watch this team. I want to follow this team. Yeah. I want to read about this team. I want to listen to podcasts about this team. But maybe I don't want to spend three hours, four nights a week in front of my TV watching them lose three to one. I and don't. that's that's okay. It's okay. It's, it's okay. You're allowed.
2: It's totally fine. And if you don't want to watch the team, but you do every night anyway, like you and me both, like <laughs> I'm going to be there right with you. with you. We're suffering with you. We're suffering with you. And it's just not, it's not going to be good, fun hockey. But it's still the Flyers, and it's still hockey's in the air, like that. It
1: feels like hockey season. It
2: feels. It feels like hockey season, and there's just something. There's something about the air in Philadelphia when it starts to get cooler. Eagles come first, and now it's the Flyers, and it's it's so much fun. So I, i
0: i think I think that a lot of this fans being on board with them sucking for a few years. I think a lot of it depends on what Dana Brier does yeah Fair. like I think if we're seeing incremental steps towards being better, you know like if he's able to move a bunch of these vets that we brought in at the deadline for some assets, I think that's going to have people like, all right, cool, if he's able to do some stuff next summer, if he makes a good draft pick like all of these incremental choices that are leading us to a good hockey team as long as those continue and he doesn't have some like giant dud of a trade that everyone hates. I do think that people, particularly fans like us, except for Charlie, um, <laughs> that are that do understand that this is the process and this is what we've been begging them right. to do for years now. I, think, I do think we're, we're gonna stick with it and be okay with the fact that the product that we're looking at right now isn't that great because we know for sure that it's in service of something better. And that they just have to keep doing that, and as long as they do, I think people will be fine.
2: Yeah. and that's when we form our favorite players. Yeah, yeah that's when we form our favorite players. That's when we start to see their personalities. that's when we start to to follow them throughout their careers. so let's just let's just pick Tyson Forrester because that's who I've picked to be my guy to watch <laughs> okay. like, Tyson Forrester is my guy of the future. So like this is when we're going to learn what he's made of because it's going to be real bad. It's going to be real bad for a little while, so we get to see what he does with that and we're gonna I'm thinking of like a Claude Giroux they were not good in the beginning of his career yeah well well no yeah. not they, sure. they, the they were they were he wasn't
0: important at he the time yeah, he time, was just were a were lower a lower yeah,
1: yeah. tier guy I, I think and this that was a really bad <laughs> comparison they
2: had you just had Richards. to work you yeah. had to work Claude Giroux in. I, I think I had to work in Claude Giroux had to do it
1: I think it brings it brings me back to the Phillies where you know we obviously spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the Phillies in the show because they clinched the playoff berth it was a lot of fun but the Phillies for quite a while in the 2010s were bad you know they had their run from from 2007 through 2011 then they went down and then for a good five six years were just plain miserable but one thing I think about with the Phillies and uh, and this is I don't know if this is going to be the like my favorite moment of this Phillies era but it's always going to be up there I hope my favorite moment will be them winning a World Series that will be my favorite moment but to me The best moment thus far was last year in the playoffs when Reese Hoskins hits that bomb off Spencer Strider and does the bat spike to end all bat spikes and part the reason why that was so much fun, why that was so viscerably amazing to, viscerally amazing to watch as a fan was because Reese Hoskins was part of the bad era and mm. he made it through. He was part of those awful Philly scenes that you're watching on a, a, a 100, degree, 100 degree day in August and they're losing 10-1 and Reese hit a homer. So at least he got to see one good thing in that game. And it was just so cool to see Reese Hoskins, the guy who suffered through all the shit, yes. make that amazing play to turn the entire series. And the hope is, is that maybe a couple of the guys on this team right now, maybe it's Owen Tippett, maybe it's Tyson Forrester, maybe it's Noah Cates. Heck, maybe it's Travis Konechny. Maybe he sticks around and he's part of the next great Flyers team. And Oh, it, that it, would be awesome. But like, it'll. It, I feel like it'll be more meaningful if like one of those guys scores the overtime game winner in the first playoff series the next good Flyer team wins because you're like you know what like that guy deserves it because he went through it with the rest of us and now him doing it is almost like we all are doing it with him we're all doing it so listen
0: Charlie's not a fan anymore because he's a professional but it's in there, folks. It's in there it's somewhere. There. It's there. You get him going, <laughs> little, and he feels it. A little baby fan in there still. He feels it. Um, just some
1: some little quick updates before uh, before we end the show. In case there's anyone who wanted updates from practice today, um, we did get some injury updates. So Cam Atkinson did return. He is not dead. He is not going to disappear again like he did last year, apparently. Unrelated
0: soreness. It's my favorite. Uh, Unrelated soreness. I'm going to use that so many times for so many days. Atkinson did
1: confirm, as you hinted, that this soreness was not related at all to his neck injury. (laughs) And he practiced today, and he more or less guaranteed that he is going to be in either the Friday or the Saturday game. If I had to guess... You probably want to throw him in for the home game in front of the home fans, you would think. But maybe he just wants to get into a game and they want to throw him in as soon as possible. So Atkinson is back. Cam York, not back yet, but he was skating on the ice today. I was told by a source yesterday it is not a major injury, but we are now going three days with him not being on the ice with his teammates. One was a day off and then two days of practice. So I guess fingers crossed that the York injury isn't that serious.
0: That would be good.
1: Be nice. It be, would nice be nice if th- this defense is already pretty bad. And also,
0: like, <laughs> just for babies. Christ's sake, for one time, could we start the season with all of our players intact? No. Wouldn't one that time? be cool? No,
1: just once. Not like allowed. let's
0: get a game in before I don't think someone gets injured.
1: We're asking a lot here. Yeah, I know. We got what four <laughs> games of Ryan Ellis before he died? I don't know who that is. is. Three. Three. Three, something like that. We got some preseason games. The we were no actually hard talking hard. about that, that in the press room, um, I think Ooh. yesterday, like me and some of the other writers about how like Ryan Ellis that preseason looked so good.
0: Yeah. He looked so like he was going to be really good, and we're the just like the first couple of games. I was like, "Oh
1: fuck, look at this guy!" We have a number one defenseman, and his name isn't Ivan Provorov; it's Ryan Ellis. It was amazing. And then R. I. P. R.I.P.
2: R.I.P. and <laughs> Oh, that was just the wind out of our sails just yeah. completely deflating it and then just the last the last
1: thing in so many bad things to happen hopefully now this is the start of and we all acknowledge this year they probably make the playoffs great. probably going to lose a lot of games but hopefully this is the start of the Flyers turning the corner. They're still in the dark, but maybe they're moving towards the light. The The
2: new era of
1: Orange. The new era of Orange. So that'll do it for us today at PHLY Flyers Podcast. Thanks so much to Steph Driver for coming all the way from Atlanta to join us. And thanks so much for Kelly for coming all the way from a neighborhood relatively close to where our studio is. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to everyone for joining us. See you tomorrow with... If you're not aware, Jim Jackson will be joining me in studio tomorrow to talk about the Flyers. Yes, that's right, Jim Jackson, the play-by-play voice of the Flyers. So please join us for a Friday show at 3.45 p.m. and hear what me and JJ have to say. Thanks, everybody.